We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. March has arrived and we're only weeks away from the big tournament. Yes, that tournament. Make sure to head to BetOnline and open an account today to get in on their $100,000 Bracket Madness Contest starting March 15th. That's right, I said $100,000 and March 15th. You don't need to be hardcore to get in on the action. With multiple entries available, it's the season's best chance to cash in. And remember, the NBA and XFL are still going strong. So whatever your passion is, BetOnline is the place to be for all your betting needs. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner, Bet online to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account. Make sure to use that promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for your 50% sign-up bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbooks experts. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? Vert, 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 vert. It's been a week for Karis LeVert. Nets come up on top against the Spurs, 120-139. Karis LeVert, first career triple-double, 27 points, 11 rebounds, 10 assists. Before we get into it, though, quick reminder, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OGGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. But, Jack, what did you love about this game the most? I think it was just the, the fact that we could be comfortable, Nick, watching a game. I, I obviously don't get the chance to watch many games during the week and on the weekends. You know, whenever there is a Brooklyn Nets game on, I am glued to the television. So it was nice to sort of be like, oh, wow, 41-point first quarter. Let's stay comfortable with this. Obviously, the Spurs went on a, a little bit of a mini run in the second and third, but the damage was already done. And they also had a 45-point third quarter themselves. So for me, it was just contributions all around, led by Karis Levert with that triple-double. There wasn't a bad player, essentially. You could pick out moments from even guys like Toyin Prince, who came off the bench for the first time for the Brooklyn Nets. And he had some moments. The first three plays that he had you know he got a bucket he took a charge and he got another bucket so I mean it's positives all around 
Yeah, it was a really positive game, obviously, a career night for Karras. But also, I love the response from this team. After getting manhandled by Memphis, a team who's you know probably around the same talent level of them, especially they're missing Jaron Jackson and Clark, and the Nets got just completely killed by them, to respond and have a blowout of your own against a Spurs team that's not amazing, and they're missing Aldridge and Bellinelli and a couple other guys. But still, to come out with the energy and aggression I thought was really great, and it says a lot about this team. Yeah, you could see that there was a different vibe in the in the early minutes of the first quarter, Nick. And I know a lot of other Nets fans on Twitter weren't necessarily as confident. I always felt the whole way throughout, even when you know the Spurs got it to around 15. I'm like, I, the Nets just look okay here. They can get a bucket essentially at will. You know, Trey Lyles guarding the rim, and then when they decided to go small with Rudy Gay at the five, you know, they were able to just continue to attack. You know, the fact that the San Antonio Spurs really lacked Jakob Pertl, who I think is an underrated rim protector, made things so much easier for them and their style of play yeah and then not even having Aldridge at least like another big option they essentially like you said had to play Trey Lyles a power forward who doesn't really have much room protection Rudy Gay is a small forward that turned power forward later in his career I feel like the Nets did a great job attacking the rim and also I thought DeAndre did a nice job in this game just being a big presence inside that they had to deal with yeah another double double for DeAndre seven Seven defensive rebounds, three offensive rebounds, had a dime himself as well. He has he's developing some really nice chemistry with Carol Severt, a guy that we, you know, sort of spoke about early in the season and was like, well, it was the Dinwiddie and DeAndre sort of connection in the pick and roll. But now Carol Severt is starting to develop that with him. Chris Gioza as well is developing developing some nice little synergy with him too. So DeAndre is continuing to play probably in some of the best stretch of basketball that he has played, you know, all season as a Brooklyn net. Would you say over the last month he's been better than Jared Allen? Yes, I would. Wouldn't say handsomely, but I would say pretty comfortably in terms of the. I think Jared Allen, when he is out there, he does less negative things, but he doesn't do as much positive things. I think that there is like a a certain gap. So I mean, you take sometimes you know the the lack of sort of engagement from DeAndre Jordan because he can just be a real offensive weapon and you know show some strength and and really get some offensive boards. Whereas Jared Allen can sometimes just not you you, you sort of lose him out there. It's just like oh where is he? Is he actually still playing? So. For me, I would say, yeah, DeAndre has been a much better center of late. But, you know, it wasn't that Jared Allen had a bad performance tonight either. He was had 12 points, 8 rebounds in only 20 minutes, 5 or 7 from the field. You know, the chemistry that we've known and seen from Karis Averton and Jared Allen has been on show for the last three seasons. So I, I really like what they're doing together. And, you know, it's not to say that Allen has been bad because I think he's just been okay. And then he, I thought tonight he was still quite good. Yeah, I feel I agree with you. I'll talk about Jared in a sec. I think DeAndre's probably been better over the last month, and you kind of described it perfectly. It's like you just typically feel DeAndre more out there. Sometimes that can be in a negative aspect, or sometimes it can be in a positive aspect. I think the physicality and some of the passing and just moving things in the high post can be really effective. And Jared Allen's just been in this weird funk where he's just having less of an impact and there's less aggression. It feels like the only time he's really scoring is oops. And I know that's a majority of his scoring, but I just feel him a little bit less out there. I thought in the second half he picked it up in this game yeah definitely I, I think when it comes to and I think we we always get way too irrational with Jared Allen I think a lot of people do in general when you you're judging a center you know you need to wait maybe even like five to seven seasons until you go okay this is a semi-finished product of what is a big man I think that they take the longest to develop when you have point guards in the league that are making an impact straight away wings that are making an impact straight away you sort of go to your center it's just like all right well why don't we have a DeAndre Ayton or a Jaron Jackson sort of type whereas most centers take some time to develop into the league you know 
your Clint Capella, your Rudy Gobert, your Stephen Adams, the sort of archetype where Jared Allen sort of fits in. Those guys took, you know, until their age 23 to 25 season before they were starting to make a, a real impact on the floor. And it's not that Jared Allen isn't making an impact in certain aspects, but I think that he's just continuing to find his footing. And, you know, obviously we need him to impact next season if we do have the fullest version of this squad uh, at our disposal. But he's still having good moments and he's still improving. It's not just, it's never going to be a linear improvement when it comes to young prospects. And I think we need to temper those expectations just a little bit because he's still doing some good things and he's still only 21 years old I think it's easy to forget because he started so many NBA games and he's already been a starter in the NBA you just naturally think like hey you know we expect more from this guy I think what I'd like to see from Jared Allen a little bit more is when offensively he's not involved as much to have a bigger defensive impact I just haven't feel I haven't felt him as much just rejecting shots obviously it's going to be a little bit harder after you get that reputation but I just feel like defensively he isn't necessarily playing super aggressive it's not like he's playing bad but I think there's another level he can hit yeah, I think he. there's times where he's almost wary to, to get into some sort of foul trouble because he has yep. fouled out quite a bit earlier in this season. You know, he didn't have a foul tonight at all. And it's just like, well, when you have two really capable centers on your roster, that is a somewhat of a luxury. I'm not saying that they're two superstar centers, but they're two quality starting NBA centers in this league. So, yeah, Jared Allen needs to be a little bit more aggressive on the defensive end and on the offensive end. It's a mentality thing when it comes to a lot of players. And when you are a young player developing that mentality is a process yeah and I think the mental focus consistently through an 82 game season is just difficult it's easy to think about as a fan or you know a podcaster or media whatever it may be but as a player you have to think like every single night you know it's just hard to bring that same type of energy but let's dive into Karis Levert you know obviously he had the 51 point game this game was also really a dominant game from Levert 27 points 9 of 16 from the field 3 of 5 from 3 6 of 7 from the line 11 rebounds 10 assists you know San Antonio had a really tough time staying in front of him tonight yeah, he is just so damn crafty. He is so damn crafty. He has such great stride length. His three-point shot looks wet F. It is just <laughs> sensational, the the type of basketball that Carlos Levert has been playing. One of the best stretch of his career. He always tends to really pick it up in the latter points of the year because he has had his injury issues. But Nick, I put it on Twitter that I said that Carlos Levert's strength is underrated. Where would you rate his strength in terms of the, the traits and skills that he possesses in his arsenal? Yeah, I thought the biggest jump in strength we saw from Karis LeVert was last season when he first got back. You know, that game winner against the Knicks really sticks out because he was obviously fouled. They didn't call it, but he pretty much had Tim Hardaway on his shoulder and he still got to lay in, tonight, lay in, in that game. And we saw a lot of that tonight. He was bouncing off bodies using that double pump fake and getting those lay-ins. I think that's been a major stride for him. And I think a lot of people naturally think upper body strength, but I think a lot of it has been his lower body strength and his balance, just his ability to absorb contact inside is really the factor for him finishing or not finishing. And I think as he came back from injury, it wasn't necessarily great, but as he's getting more condition, it's getting better and better. All about that core, Nick. All about that core. That's what they say. His it core is. strength his core strength has been sensational because it's not like he is like his shoulders are massive. He's not Dwight Howard or anything or DeAndre Jordan in, in that respect. But you know, his ability to just find ways to finish. And when he doesn't finish, you know, a couple of times tonight he was just rebounding his own misses. I and love he got that. You got three offensive rebounds. I think his timing was sensational. He is just playing some awesome basketball and really solidifying, really solidifying himself as a third star on this roster. Yeah, I'd say post All Star break, he's clearly been the Nets' best player. 
Oh, yeah, no doubt. I think it's without a doubt. I mean, Spencer Dimwini had quite a nice performance himself tonight. He almost had a double-double with assists for him. Uh, he's 7 of 13 from the field, and he was also shooting that three ball quite well. So it, it's it's nice to have both of our, our best players right now that are healthy playing good basketball. And I felt like Kenny did a really nice job of staggering the minutes between those two, getting the minutes together, but also giving them time to kind of do their own thing and letting them run the show on their own. Exactly. I think that they both know how to run the show by themselves and they both know the rapport and the, and the tendencies of their teammates. So for what they've been doing lately, individually and as a duo, I think that they're, they're feeding off each other well. That first play of the game where Karras was able to find Spencer Dimwini for the three just gave him a bit of momentum and confidence. And I thought that that sort of set the tone. I mean, it is one play, but it is the opening play. Yeah, no, I think the opening stretch can have a big impact on the game, especially when you just recently struggled in your last game and got, you know, a career worse loss, a, a, you know, an organizational worse loss against a Memphis team, and then you bounce back and you have positive plays to start the game. I think that's great. What do you think about, you know, obviously Karras got the triple-double. Were you surprised he was able to land 10 assists? We know he's a good passer, but this is like a, a next step up. No, Nick, I think he is, I think what he, one of his best attributes is his passing and I think that it comes down to his teammates being able to make those shots and yeah. I think that that's what it was essentially for me you know the the three ball was falling tonight you know the Nets shot over 41 percent from the almost 42 percent from there over 53 percent from the field so for me it's about his teammates are they be able to make those shots and tonight that they did and for me you know that he is I can't remember if it was you or someone else that put it out. I think over like the past month or so, he's been having a really, really good passing games. And I think that when he doesn't necessarily have them, it's partly on his teammates because they're just bricking some of the shots that are wide open. Be it a Torian Prince or Joe Harris, Wilson Chandler, whoever guy it might be that he's dishing it out to. He has been sensational. And I've always loved his passing. Uh, in general, passing is just one of the, the more beautiful things to watch in this game because we know Karol Sivert can really create his own shot. And, and early points in the season when he was playing with Kyrie Irving, it seemed to me that there was some synergy there, but a lot of it was my turn, your turn sort of thing. Yep. But now Karol Sivert is getting back to sort of a, a more well-balanced and overall game. And, and it's sort of impacting the team in, in such positive manners. Yeah, I think his inside passing has always been a strength. And I think over yeah. this last stretch or even this season, we've started to see more kickout passes at three-point shooters for something he was missing. And Jared Dudley asked, actually made a comment last season about the next step for Karras was being able to see the floor a little bit better and make some of those outside passes. And we're seeing that happen. It's just creating a different dynamic for this Nets team. It makes the team better. You know, you yep. look at it. It reminds me when you say a kickout pass. The one that sticks out in my head right now is the Luka Doncic pass, where he absolutely turned Drew Holiday inside out, and then had Zion drawn into him. That's Karis LeVert's handle and shiftiness. I mean, it's not necessarily... I mean, Luca has the ball on a string as well. But Karis has his own style of being able to get past defenders and, and, and make, him, make him dance a little bit too. And that just, you know, when you can create that separation and create open passes and open lanes for different teammates, it just makes the game so much easier for everyone involved. Yeah, and I agree. And I think that's kind of what some of these role players need is just someone to kind of set them up and talking about one of the best role players in the league. Joe Harris, I thought, had a really nice bounce back game. 20 points, 9 of 14 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3. He just looked a lot more comfortable and confident tonight. He really did. Uh, I mean, the flex was still going. I think <laughs> Joey was making some the drives, I think. When he gets his drive game on and he's not getting blocked, 
you know, that's when you know that Joe Harris's game is looking good. I mean, 20 points, four rebounds, couple of dimes, a steal from him. It was a really, really nice, impactful performance from Joe Harris. And good to see him hitting that three ball. You know, the, the flex is one of the great celebrations of all time. Uh, I think that there, there is not a better sports celebration in the history of worldwide sports than the Joe Harris flex because... If you don't get somewhat, if something doesn't happen to your body, ladies and gentlemen, male or female, when you see that Joe Harris flex, you see those biceps and triceps and lats bulge, then there is something wrong with you. Jack Manuel, only fans. Check it out on YouTube. Check it out on all social media platforms. We got to keep this uh, episode non-explicit, but uh, I really did like what we saw from Joe. I think some of it was probably the lack of rim protection from San Antonio, but hey, capitalize on those opportunities and also the way they were playing him. Spurs were switching a lot. I really liked it. Hopefully it can be a confidence booster. And then the two threes he hit he was wide open and he just had a different confidence where some of those wide open shots over the last month haven't uh, been falling for joe tonight it was just different it's like they barely touch net yeah i mean there's in a lot of issues nick i think both basketball in general some people buy into the hot hand and the hot team and the, the energy of of the game in general some people don't buy into it and think it's just the you know a fallacy and and you know a myth I kind of do buy into it because I think basketball, more than maybe any other sport that I follow, has a real intangibleness to it. And you sort of feed off your other players. You feed off the energy. You feed off the ball going in. You see a three going for your teammate. You see that confidence and you get those open shots. There's something about that. And I think that that's what worked for Joe Harris and the rest of the team tonight. Yeah, I agree. I think the energy and the pace and just the vibes of the team, you could feel it. And that's important for the team to have a successful game. You know, if you have games like that, when there's bad vibes, you have to depend on your ISO scores, your guys get to the free throw line. But tonight they had it rolling and they took advantage of that. And, you know, we did see a lineup change. Wilson Chandler was starting over Torian Prince. What do you think about that tonight? I thought it was, I mean, I know you were probably a bit high on it, as was probably 99% of Nets Twitter was high on it. I thought there was the right decision, but in the end, Torian Prince ended up playing 30 minutes. I think that the balance, and when Torian Prince was out there, he still seemed confident. He didn't have a, a ridiculously awesome game, but it was a more composed and balanced game. He didn't hit a three, but he still was able to affect the scoring. He was rebounding at a decent rate. He did drop some dimes, you know, and he was playing a lot with that first unit too. So I think that they were, that Kenny was still able to stagger the minutes. I think Chandler just provided a semblance of balance because Prince can be a, a bit of a ball stopper when he gets the ball in his hands. Whereas Chandler sort of just like, I'll make the right pass. I'll kick out. I'll play defense. I'll do what I've got to do. So right decision by Kenny tonight and it worked. And I guess, you know, it might happen heading into the, the 62nd, 63rd, Third game of the season, mind you. Yeah, I think well, someone brought this up on Twitter, and I thought it was a great point, is they typically run some plays for Torian Prince or try to get him involved. Where Wilson Chandler's out there, he's a veteran. You don't necessarily have to worry about getting him touches, and it kind of allowed Spencer, Karras, and Joe to get more touches and more shots up, which I think is important, and allowed Torian to get his shots with a second unit. I also like the way he attacked in mid-range and attacked inside a little bit. I think some of the three-point shots later in the game he was almost forcing up, but the other stuff, it felt so natural. Yeah, and I think that that's what you want your guys to be playing. No matter who they are, whatever their role is, you want them to be playing instinctual, natural basketball. I use the word instinctual probably so much in this podcast. You know, you could probably, you know, stamp it on my forehead. But <laughs> I, I think that it's 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 an incredibly important part of whatever you do. And, and in basketball in general, you don't want to overthink things. Yes, there are elements where it's just like, all right, am I making the right play? Do I kick this out? And I think you need to work and, and, and move. Your brain is moving so quickly and you sort of want to have that muscle memory ingrained in you and 
Nick, I'll get to another player that I think we should have a bit of a chat about. And, I mean, he's become a cult favorite of sorts. Chris Gioza, what did you think of his performance? Five and nine from the field today. Three of five from three. Six rebounds from a dude who's like five, seven, if that. And three assists. Uh, my favorite play was when he got the offensive rebound in the lay-in. But, I, I mean, I'm not sure if I've ever seen a player become a fan favorite so fast. Mm. It's like three games and he's instantly loved by everyone and I mean there's no reason not to love him because he just plays the right way you know he's always looking to pass set up his teammates he plays hard super quick and I really like the different element he provides the Nets in terms of defense they have a small guy to throw on some of these smaller guards to get around screens we've seen in the past Patty Mills has killed the Nets tonight Chris Yosa did a nice job on him he did a solid job on Kemba Walker at certain parts in the Boston game I like what he's doing. He's still on that two-way contract, but he's working his way up to an NBA contract. He still has more to prove, but it's been a really nice start for him. Yeah, another little tick for the Nets development staff, that's for sure. And I heard someone in my comments uh, compare him to Kyle Lowry. I think that's a little bit of a jump, but you know I can see it in terms of the effort and the energy that he brings. You know, Kyle Lowry's probably a little bit more of a natural scorer and a, and a good three-point shooter, not to say that Jose isn't. And I think defensively, Kyle Lowry's one of the best guards in the league at that. TLC, Nick, I, I didn't... When I was just scrolling through the box score... We, are you surprised by this stat line? 19 points, two assists, a rebound as well, five of seven from the field, six of six from the free throw line, and three of five from three. How did he get 19 points? I didn't even notice that. Yeah, I felt like he did an excellent job tonight capitalizing on the cuts. He was constantly cutting to the rim. I think he prefers playing with Gioza. He prefers playing with DeAndre because now he has two plus passers on the floor with him that can just set him up. And when you're playing with great energy like TLC, you're going to get those buckets. And also, he had a couple runouts in transition where he just ran the floor. He got hit by the open man. And there was even one where I think he probably just should have threw it down where uh, Derek White got a nice block on him. But TLC, good energy, just doing the right thing out there. And it wasn't like this was a dynamic scoring game. I guarantee you, other than the three-point shots, every other bucket was a layup. Well, yeah, he made he only made five field goals, and but he hit every single one of his free throws. Six free throws, yeah. That's, that's good stuff from TLC, especially when other guys on the team are really struggling from the line. Exactly. Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, two or seven from three, you know, Karis, not three from the free throw line. Karis Levert, uh was actually hitting them, which is nice. It just makes, it makes the game a lot easier and it gives you those bonus points, gives you that little bit of confidence. I know that's probably one area of Spencer Dinwiddie's game that he, he there's something going wrong with him. In, in yeah, some it's instance. making I think me a little nervous. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I think he's just going to need a reset in the offseason and then probably come back next year. And then you just... Because I think it's a game-to-game thing with him. It's almost just like he's either on or he's off. And, and I think that's just what it is at the end of the day. But Nick, were there any other topics you wanted to touch on in relation to this game before we get to some other Nets news? No, I think we pretty much touched on everybody. It was a great team effort. And I think a lot can be said about when you come out with aggression and good energy, and that was a big factor for the Nets. And I hope this lineup change continues moving forward because I like the way the rotations had an impact. And then I also think Torian Prince provides some scoring for that second unit, so it's not so Karis LeVert dependent. Yeah, I like it a lot. I like it a lot. But uh, Greg Popovich, the Team USA coach, was obviously at the game today. And pre-game, he was asked about Kevin Durant possibly playing in the Olympics, which we also touched on in the last episode. And his quote was, my feeling on that is I would want Kevin to be absolutely ready to go working out, playing five on five, that his organization and he both feel like it's time to play. I wouldn't want to be any part of him being 60% or 70% and just start to get into shape because of the Olympics. The Olympics are important. The Olympics are huge, but he's got a career to take care of here with the Nets. I would rather have him do that. And if he's not totally ready to play this summer. 
Yeah, that's a typical, you know, pop answer right there. And I think that's a fair answer. You know, he doesn't want to be the guy that re-injures Kevin Durant. He saw what happened last year with Golden State and all that. So he wants to make sure that KD is 100%. And I think that's probably how KD and the Nets feel too. They're not going to let him or he's not going to play in Team USA unless he's 100%, you know, fully healthy and already doing basketball things in front of the Nets staff. Yeah, that's it at the end of the day. And you know, Joe Harris was making his name known to Mr. Greg Popovich, who he has an established relationship with. You know, if Kevin Durant isn't playing, then we know that Joe Harris will definitely be playing for Team USA. Don't need Kyrie Irving. Don't need your Steph Curry's, LeBron James. Don't worry about those blokes. You've got Joe Harris. You've got the biceps. You've got the triceps. You've got the flex. <laughs> you've got that three-point shot. Team USA going for gold. Unless, of course, my boys out here in the Boomers uh, take that gold away from you, lads. Yeah, nah, I don't know about that, but... <laughs> Well, yeah, Matisse Thibel. I'll mention it again. Matisse Thibel, Benny Simmons. You just watch out for us. But I mean, was if, you a, get, if you get USA, uh, the USA team from last year, you guys have a chance. But if you get actual Team A USA, then you <laughs> – I don't know if anyone has a chance. <laughs> I remember watching 2016 Team USA versus Australia. And you guys just absolutely hated the way that the Aussies played because we actually played a bit of physical defense, whereas Paul George was being a bit of a crybaby, one of those memes. And I'm just like – Get Matthew Delavadova back out there. Get him back to his best. Paddy Mills, and we'll, we'll flame you, lads. We'll flame you. We'll, we'll still, we're still in the goal, mate. We're coming for you. Uh, but um, I'm throwing this out to the buzz listeners. Make sure you guys uh, challenge Jack to a bet for the Olympics if they're not postponed. Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, mate, don't don't hold me to that. Don't hold me to that. But in um in some in some other news, Nick, and this was this really showed the the Nets Twitter community and and, and community on social media in general of uh, how how much of a family is. There was an 18 year old Nets fan whose name is Farhad Salim, and he was in a class at the City College of Technology in downtown Brooklyn Wednesday morning. When and I'm I'm literally reading the Nets daily uh, post because it's it's really detailed and it deserves to be uh, acknowledged. And the ha- their house in downtown Brooklyn was on fire and his room was up in flames. And it was it was a really sad affair. And, you know, he posted on Twitter. He got a lot of love from the likes of Anthony Puccio, Nets Daily, Spencer Dinwiddie was jumping in. And, you know, he was at the game today as well. It was just uh, to, to see this, uh, the community rally around him. It's an absolute... It's it's shocking that, that this had to happen to, to such a young fan. But at the end of the day, the the rally around him just showed you, you know, how much impact that you know just basketball can have, and how you know great a community of, on a, on a social media platform and a basketball team can be. And obviously, we send our thoughts and well wishes to Farhad and his family, and hopefully, they get there. The, the house back up and running soon. They find a new place soon. He brought the Kyrie Irving jersey, which was a little bit tattered and apparently had a woody smell. Um, absolute trooper Farhad. Massive shout out to you and the fam. Yeah, 100%, Jack. It's obviously terrible and you wish him the best in his family. But to see the Nets community help him in this time of need and you know provide him with tickets for the game and what they did is just awesome. And like you said, it's like, you don't think of it because it's just like we're all talking about basketball, but there's an actual community and there's actual support system to help people like this when they need it. And, and it's great to see. That's family remains strong. Massive shout out to Farhad. This episode is for you and all the Nets fans out there and everyone who was supporting him, jumping in the comments, liking that. Uh, it is, uh, it makes you feel, it, it warms the heart, Nick, sometimes. There's, 
There's a lot of shit going on in the world right now, but sometimes you need, and obviously through tragedy, sometimes you can get, you know, sometimes these really heartwarming moments. Obviously, we wouldn't want it to happen in the first place, but um, there is a family of Nets fans that support Farhad and every other Nets fan around the world. It's it's a nice it's a nice feeling. Uh, and obviously, you know, a Nets win is nice, but, you know, some things are bigger than basketball. Yeah, the support is bigger than basketball, but I'm sure he was extremely happy to see a, a big win. I mean, going to a game, at least you get to see a dominant performance, too. Yeah, he deserved it. He deserved and I'm sure it. the players, I'm sure the Nets are going to hook him up and the players are going to hook him up with some autograph merch. Oh, he deserves that. He deserves the KD merch. He deserves some... Give him the Spike Lee seats at MSG if he's not using them anymore. He can he can have both of them, and he can sit next to Joseph Sire Barclays as well. If, if Spike Lee's not using it, give Farhad the employee's entrance if he wants it. 100%. But, Jack, anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here? Uh, I'm uh, making my way to the Northern Hemisphere yet again, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I may be at the Wizards game. I'm trying to get there, maybe even go to uh, one of the rival teams, maybe sneak into that employee's entrance. I was uh, mentioning about a Knicks game. They're versus the Hornets, so I don't know if I will go to it, but I'll give it a go. But I will be there. Hit me up in the DMs. Uh, Nick and I might hit up a game together. If not, then my dude's going to be busy uh, ordering suits, ordering food, and keeping uh, a fiance, make sure she's nice and stress-free for a very busy time of the year for my guy. Yes, sir. We'll be looking forward to that. As always, a pleasure, Jack. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.